This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there, Dr. Jen Lincoln here. I can't come to the phone right now, but we'll likely have an opening later on. Please leave me a message and I'll be at your cervix. I mean, <laughs> service in no time. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Down There podcast, episode three. I'm your host, board certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. And I'm excited because this week we are featuring two fantastic questions. And I'm answering them together because they're both about things that happen after sex. Are they normal? And I imagine this is only the first of the questions like this because when you are not taught about what's normal during sex other than don't have it because you're going to get pregnant and die in school like most of us were, you have no idea what's normal or what's not normal once you start having sex. So it's absolutely normal to have questions about this. So I'm calling this the weird things after sex episode. And I'm sure it's only the first of a lot. So the callers who called in, these are the questions they had. Is this normal? Is this a problem? What's going on? And in my second question, we touch on what to do if your doctor is not listening to you. All right, let's jump into the first question. Who's from Monique? Here she goes. Hi, my name is Monique. So when my boyfriend and I have sex, go to the restroom after. And there's obviously a lot of discharge. But it's like two, three, sometimes four hours later, you have another massive discharge. Is it really because there's that much stuff in there? Or, like, what's going on? And it doesn't always happen that way. Only sometimes does. Very confusing. Monique, thank you so much for this question and for calling in and not being afraid to ask and just being honest and saying... This is very confusing because there's a lot of people who just walk around not having any idea what's normal, what's not. They Google search it. They think either everything's normal or they're going to die and it's cancer. Like hardly ever is Google anywhere in between. So I really appreciate you calling in. Let's jump into it and let's talk about semen, shall we? All right. This is going to be your crash course in ejaculate and semen. And I know this is the crash course you have always wanted. So take out your pen and paper. We're about to take some notes. Here is a fact about ejaculation. The average amount of ejaculate or semen, you know, what comes out of somebody who makes sperm and semen is usually about a quarter teaspoon to a teaspoon. And when you think about that, that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but I actually made a TikTok, gosh, I don't know, maybe a year ago now, where I poured out actual fluid. Like I measured that amount out and put it on a pad to show just what it would look like if you were wearing a pad afterwards and that came out. And it looks like a lot. So I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but when it's actually the discharge that's coming out of you, it can feel like a lot. And that actual amount can vary on a lot of things. Here are some more fun facts. So the most amount that somebody who ejaculates, the most amount that they'll make tends to be when they're in their 30s. So not always peaking when you're in high school, are you? So all those funny movies and things saying, you know, that, oh my gosh, your teenage sons, like there's going to be semen everywhere. I'm trying to remember what movie it was. Oh, it was Bridesmaids when the one mom of the boys. She has three kids now. Three boys. Wow. So cute. <laughs> they are cute. But when they reach that age, they're disgusting. They smell. They're sticky. They say things that are horrible and there is semen all over everything. Okay. Disgusting. I cracked a blanket in half. Do you get where I'm going with that? Yeah. I cracked it in. Semen. 
it's everywhere. And I'm not saying that that's not true, but you actually don't make the most amount until you're in your 30s. Another reason that your partner or you, you're listening to this because you just love learning too, and you happen to be a guy or someone who makes semen, not having sex recently can also increase this. And no, I'm not talking about the amount that you see in porn where it just seems like it's a gajillion, it's like so much sperm and so much semen. Like that's not the norm. Usually that is let's just say not reality. I know you're surprised to learn that what you see in porn is not always true, but it is true that if you haven't had sex recently, you can ejaculate a little bit more, not like cupfuls more, but a little bit more. So what you see coming out of your vagina right after sex, or even a few hours later, that's not just that semen though. And I know that it seems like that's what it would be, right? That makes sense. But there's also other stuff that can be coming out too, that can be increasing the amount of your discharge both right away and then also that few hours later, like you mentioned in your question. So yes, it includes semen, but it can also include any lube that you used. And we love lube here at the Let's Talk About Down There podcast because it makes the world go around and makes lots of things really fun. So if you're using it, that's awesome for you. If you're not, why not go ahead and give it a try, but understand that what goes in must come out. So you might see that as well. There's also mucus. There's vaginal mucus and there's cervical mucus. And mucus isn't a bad thing. I know when we think of mucus like coughing and in our nasal congestion, you just think of mucus as a sign of a problem, right? Because you only notice that when you might be sick. But when it comes to discharge, mucus is really important. That's that natural lubrication that your body makes. And so when you are turned on, when you're having a good time, your body makes more lubrication, which is why foreplay is important, folks. But I bet that will be a topic we cover on another day. When you are getting sexually aroused, your vagina starts to increase that amount of discharge. Your cervix also has cells and glands that make mucus as well. And this is important because it helps to make sex more comfortable. This vaginal mucus can also vary with your cycle. So you may notice in different parts of your cycle that there's more or less that it might be a different color. It might be more clear during one part of your cycle, more egg whitish during another. And that's actually a parameter that people use. They check their cervical mucus to see whether or not they potentially could get pregnant or they are in what we call their fertile window. There is so much more to it than that. So I don't want you to think that just checking your mucus means that's a great form of birth control. Again, whole other topic for another day. And if you've got questions about that, go ahead and call in. But suffice it to say, what comes out isn't just semen, it's that mucus it's lube, and it can definitely change with your cycle, how much lube you used if your partner's had sex recently. The other thing I want to highlight here too is that you might notice if you go to the bathroom right after sex that you'll feel that initial discharge and you think that's everything, right? But here's the thing. I'm sure what Monique called in about and what you might notice is that after you sit down for a few hours, maybe you go to sleep and then you wake up in the morning and then you feel that second amount of stuff that comes out. And that's because that collects in the vagina when you're sitting. And then when you stand up, that's what comes out. You may also notice it similarly after you have a bowel movement, because when you're straining and you're pushing down, having a bowel movement, you also are pushing out some of that mucus and discharge. So this is all normal. It just seems really weird because we never talk about it and we make it sound like, especially in porn and every movie, it's like, you know, nobody talks about the after part, right? And here's the thing, you don't need to do anything special to empty your vagina to get that discharge out. Because this is actually going to lead right into a segment that I like to call clitorally. 
So clitorally is the segment where I highlight things that are literally, clitorally ridiculous. And in this week's podcast, we are highlighting the dripstick from Awkward Essentials. Yes, my friends, this is an actual product. And if you've been following me for a while, you've seen that I've covered this in a TikTok and an entire YouTube video where I discuss what the dripstick is and why I clitorally cannot stand it. So this is straight up from their website, my friends. Dripstick, aka the cum sponge, is the original after-sex sponge for absorbing excess cum. It's a super soft, medical-grade sponge that quickly soaks up ooey-gooey leftovers to eliminate drippy discomfort. Not for your butt. I said this in my YouTube video, but I do love that they are clarifying this not for your butt, friends. Here's some more things that they say on their website. It's the first of its kind post-sex hygiene product. It's designed to absorb excess cum after sex. It eliminates post-sex drippy discomfort. And it's not for everybody, but it's for those who want it. Okay, clitorally WTF. So if this is the first time you're hearing of the dripstick sponge and you're thinking, Dr. Jen, did they really make a product that you stick in your vagina after sex and like, you know, whoosh it out? They sure did. And I am here to say that if you have bought this product and you like it and you want to use it, like go for it. I'm not here to stop you. But here are my concerns with this product. Number one, it's made by a company called Awkward Essentials. You know how much I hate shame-based marketing. And when your company name is literally awkward, you're making it seem like when stuff comes out of your vagina after you hook up with your honey, that that's somehow awkward and dirty and shameful. And so you need to stick something up there so that you don't have this quote unquote awkward moment. And that is some bull. I know it sounds like a small thing, but it counts. These things are also made out of plastic that don't degrade anytime soon. Yes, it's a medical grade sponge. We use it in the operating room and for other things, not this particular product, but the same kind of material. But those are for real medical things, not just random, you know, after sex cleanup things. And I just can't stand that they talk about this post-sex drippy discomfort. Like this is a problem that so many people are having and we need to buy something more. So what really bugs me about the femtech industry and the fem hygiene industry is that so much of it seems to be based in convincing so many of us with vaginas that we have to buy more products and do more things to keep our vaginas happy, healthy, pure, clean, and not awkward. And this just reinforces all the shame that we have about our bodies, that vaginas are kind of like dirty and disgusting in their baseline state. And we need to spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying to keep her pretty and cute. And that's just so not true. I think the best worst part of this product is you got to go to the website or go to my YouTube video where just see what they do with a Twinkie. That's all I'm going to say about that. And yes, I bought a Twinkie when I made my YouTube video to address this. And I'm not an everyday Twinkie consumer, but it did remind me how delicious they were. But I just felt really bad for the Twinkie after I saw what they did for it on its website. So here's the thing. Clitorally, you do not need a dripstick product. If you want to go ahead and buy it, I fully support your choice to do what you want to do. But think about the environmental impact. Think about how toilet paper or a washcloth would work just as well. And know that there's nothing awkward about the stuff that comes out of your vagina after sex. Okay, speaking of things that come out of your vagina after sex, let's shift gears and move on to our next question. Hey, Dr. Lincoln, my name is Ada, and um, I have been having a weird little issue where about 24 hours after I have intercourse, I start bleeding, uh, like I'm almost having a mini period. Cramps, bleeding usually lasts. Uh, three to four days. I've told my gynecologist about this, but she just kind of brushed it off saying, huh, that's weird. 
So I was just wondering, is this something that's normal or do I need to find a new gynecologist? Thanks. Okay, so now let's talk about bleeding after sex, aka postcoital bleeding, because we love to have fancy names for things in medicine. And here is the quick and dirty answer. There's lots of causes, some that are really no big deal, and some that definitely are. And I'll get to those. But first, I want to talk about your gynecologist's reaction, where you said that your gynecologist just kind of brushed it off and said, that's weird. I don't love that for you. If you have a concern or a question, and this is for any physician or healthcare provider that you go to and you feel like you're brushed off or that somebody's not taking your concerns seriously, I want to give you official permission to find another healthcare provider because you are paying money, whether it's a $10 copay or, you know, hundreds of dollars, you're paying money and you are trusting somebody with your health, your body, some of the most intimate parts of your history and things that you experience and to just be brushed off is not okay. And I get it. Not everybody's a great fit. You know, what might work well for somebody doesn't work for somebody else. And so it's all about finding the right healthcare provider for you. But if you ever feel like you're not being taken seriously, that's a red flag. And I know that sometimes as a doctor myself, how I react to something in my head, I feel like I've addressed a concern because I know that it's not a real medical issue. And I'm thinking that I've communicated that. But if my patient says to me, I don't feel like you heard me or I don't know if you're taking this seriously, that's a signal to me that I need to readdress it. Even if I think there's nothing wrong, still communicating it in a better way. And so if you felt brushed off, I want you to know that there's other providers out there who can absolutely take you seriously. So I hope that you feel empowered to do so, but I'm sorry that you even have to think about this. Okay, so let's get on to the causes of why you might bleed after sex. And there's a lot. And I'm going to start with things that are often the most common. So number one is often related to friction. So little tears or little cuts that might happen in the vagina or outside on the vulva. And this can happen most commonly because there's just not a whole lot of lubrication or your vagina, you just haven't had enough time to make your own lubrication or you need to use lube because there might not be enough estrogen in your body. That's the hormone that keeps that vagina well estrogenized, really plump, helps those cells be nice, happy and healthy and ready to make that mucus and that lube, your own body's lube that I talked about earlier. This could happen because you've gone through menopause or you've recently had a baby or you're breastfeeding and your estrogen is low because of that. Those are the most common reasons. So if it's related to that, then the answer is make sure that you have enough foreplay, use extra lube if needed, take your time. Or if you've had rough sex, which I'm talking about rough consensual sex, knowing that if there's bleeding, that could be a sign that you need to ease it up just a wee bit. Other reasons for bleeding could be something like a little septum where there's a little extra band of tissue in the vagina and it tears. Some people can reach in and can feel that other times you'll need to come in and see one of us and we can diagnose that for you. Another really common reason to bleed after sex is little blood vessels on the cervix can be fragile for some people and they can bleed. And we see this more often in people who are on birth control and might have something called cervical ectropion, which is, again, another really fancy word, but it's where the cells that are often in the canal of the cervix are now on the outside part. And this is totally normal and not at all concerning. It's just related, again, to hormonal status. and. The only reason I'm telling you about it is because those cells can be a little bit more fragile and can bleed during sex. It is impossible for you to know this at home unless you somehow have a speculum at home and you like use a camera or your partner looks at your cervix. And I'm not suggesting you do that because that would be a lot of unnecessary work on your part. But if that's the case, when you come in, we can put a speculum in, we can look and we can just use a little Q-tip to touch the cervix and see, is it 
what we call friable? Does it bleed easily? And if that's the case, then we can say, you know what? I think that's why you're bleeding. Another reason you can bleed is you can have little growths on the cervix called polyps. These are almost always benign, non-cancerous. Think of them like a little polyp or a little growth that you might see elsewhere on your body. Not concerning, but during sex, if they tear a little bit or if they're jostled around and the blood flow to them can be disrupted, you can have a little bit of bleeding like that. Something that we can once again see on exam when you come in to the office and we can see what's going on. Infections are a big reason for bleeding too. And that's why I don't love that your gynecologist said, hmm, that's weird and didn't do anything about it because I would want to do an exam to look for the things that I've already mentioned and I would want to see if there are any infections happening. Yes, things like a yeast infection, you may not have symptoms and then during sex you notice bleeding, we can do an exam where we put a speculum in, do a swab, we can send it off for a culture or for a test and then we can see that you've got a yeast infection or we can even tell once we put the speculum in, we can see it there and say, huh, I think this is why you're bleeding. And it's because the yeast infection and other infections can irritate that lining of the vagina or the cervix and make it more likely to bleed. But the thing I'd really want to rule out is make sure that things like gonorrhea, chlamydia, trichomonas, other infections aren't the reason that you're bleeding because that's really important because we need to treat it because I don't want you walking around with that infection. If it goes untreated for a long time, it could progress to something like pelvic inflammatory disease, which is a lot harder to treat, can potentially lead to fertility issues. And walking around with an undiagnosed STI isn't good for anybody. It's not good for you, for your partner, or like the public health in general. So I would, if you came into my office, would run those tests to see what else is going on. Okay, let's talk about the scary things that could cause bleeding. And I want to let you know that they're scary, but luckily they're not that common. And so I'm talking about precancerous or cancerous changes in the cervix. Every gynecologist has had that patient who is older, comes in, has had bleeding after sex or bleeding in general that's not associated with their period for five or 10 years and they just blew it off. And then by the time they come in, we examine them and we put the speculum in and we can unfortunately see what looks like a huge cancerous growth. The good news is that this is not common, so I don't want to scare you, but this is why we take these concerns seriously and we don't want to just brush you off. Lastly, the last thing that could potentially cause bleeding is that something's left inside causing irritation. So sometimes a condom slips off and if you don't notice it and it's left there, it can cause irritation. You may have other symptoms as well, such as discharge or just discomfort that doesn't feel right. Or sometimes, you know, if a tampon is left in. So all reasons that you come in, we see what's going on and we get you on your happy way. So at the very least, getting more information for why you're bleeding after sex is important and an exam is a great idea. It can include a speculum exam. We may do a pap test, test for infections. Sometimes we do an ultrasound or we do what's called an endometrial biopsy where we sample to get some tissue from the lining of the uterus. Rarely do people need all of these things. So I don't want that to be a reason that you don't come in because you go, oh my goodness, that's too much and I'm not going in. I don't care what Dr. Jen said. But usually it's just depending on getting more information, and then we can decide what we need to do. So I don't want you to freak out as the risk of something really bad, like cervical cancer is low, but that risk is higher when you have bleeding. So it's important to know that if you've got that concern, you should come on in and get checked out. And just to give you actual numbers, because I think numbers are really important and can help you feel more empowered and not scared. If you have bleeding, here is your risk of the fact that it's from cervical cancer. So if you're in your early 20s, really rare one in 44,000 people. So only one person of age 20 to 24 who 
have bleeding after sex out of 44,000 will actually have cervical cancer. But that risk drastically changes the older you get. Between 25 and 34, that risk is 1 in 5,600. And by the time you get to age 45 to 54, that risk is 1 in 2,400. So again, still not common, but it goes up. And so you need to take this seriously, especially the older you get. And I will have that reference in my show notes because I think references and resources and you being able to look at that and be empowered is usually important. So feeling heard is key. Getting the care you deserve is key and knowing that you deserve to be listened to. And if you're brushed off, I want you to brush them off and go find somebody else. Or if you want to stick around with that provider, say, no, no, I need you to hear me. And I know that we should be doing more. So this week's take home message, stuff can come out of your vagina. And it's important to know what's normal and what's not and not feel ashamed for asking which is why I love that my callers called in, asked these questions, and I'm hoping that with this information, they got what they needed, you're feeling more empowered, and now you know that if you've got other questions about the stuff that comes out of your vagina, well, I am your girl. So go ahead, and if you want your question featured, call in through the Viva La Volva voicemail hotline, or you can leave me a voice message in my Instagram DMs at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. Okay, it's that time where I ask you to rate, review, and follow on your favorite podcast app because we know that's how we get more people talking. So call in at 503-893-2016 and join me online at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So let's keep the conversation going, my friends. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. 